Hi, as always, it's Darren. For any first-time listeners, I head up the account management and customer success teams here at HackerJob. This week, I'm joined by Kaylee Rainford, People and Recruitment Manager at Invisia. How are you doing, Kelly? I'm good, thank you, Darren. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. So, always the, the first question I, I get the guests to, to answer is not everyone would have come across your profile before who's going to listen to this podcast. So, do you want to give us a little bit of background in, into how you got into the position you're in now? Sure, no problem. I'm Kaylee. For the last eight years, I have been in tech recruitment. I started off as a recruitment consultant for around about three years and then I moved into internal recruitment. I've worked in various sectors, so more recently at my time in Visha, working in the defence, data and security space. Uh, I've also worked in mobile games, travel and tourism, digital marketing as well. In 2016, I became an associate member of the CIPD, so the Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development, and I studied human resources for three years. And that was really good for me because it gave me a really, a much better understanding of recruitment. So starting from recruitment and selection, looking at candidate behaviour, the psychology of the whole process, that kind of thing. Yeah, so that's a bit about me. When I talk to my friends and tell them what I do, so I'm not indirectly, I'm indirectly, I guess, involved in recruitment now because I help clients make sure that they can hire the right types of people. But when I talk to my friends about recruitment, all they assume is I pick up the phone and I ring someone and they join the business. It's like, there is so much more to it. Like it's all about like onboardings and all the all the extra bits on on top. Do you know what it would be so like it, it would be great if it was that simple just calling yeah. up someone saying hey you know do you want to come and join us but there's so much more to it than that and I think there's a lot of psychology behind it as well which is something that I think maybe quite a lot of businesses don't haven't perhaps taken that on board yet so um, yeah interesting to see where the recruitment industry goes especially now with everyone's working remotely <laughs> We will get to where is the industry going to go later. So uh, to hold, hold that thought. So can you talk to us a little bit about Invisia and what you do as a business? Sure, no problem. So Invisia, as a company, we provide services and technical solutions uh, to our customers to help them make better decisions with their data. Our customers are mainly in the public sector. So one of our biggest customers is the Environment Agency. We also do a lot of work with the Ministry of Defence. And um, our objective is to use our specialist tools and our expertise in-house to help our customers make better, more effective and more efficient decisions with their data and how can they use that moving forward. And I think it's really important in this day and age because we live in an ever-evolving world now. So we need that data to be able to make quick decisions on things, especially in the public sector and especially in this day and age. So on the podcast, we usually try to avoid talking about COVID-19. So I think at this point, everyone is a little bit burnt out from it. And it's quite a negative topic. But I know when we caught up last week, we were talking about Invisia and how you've used it as almost like an advantage. I know that it's been tough times, but I think that you have been one of the rare people I've spoken to in the last few months that seems to have utilised some of the some of the stuff that's come out of it in a good way. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I think we've learned, um, COVID has taught us quite a lot. I think from a recruitment perspective, it's made us realise that we we don't always have to be in an office. So when it comes to recruiting, we don't have to recruit people that are 
based 10 minutes down the road from the office. Mm-hmm. Being in the location that we are, it's it's quite a, a difficult location to attract people because we're very, very close to London, we're very close to Brighton. So trying to attract people out of those areas can be quite difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and during COVID, we've recruited people from all across the country. We've got um, we've hired someone who's based in Manchester. We've got two people that are based in Cornwall. We're interviewing someone next week who's based up in Scotland. Yeah, it's actually taught us that we we can hire people from anywhere and we can still get the talent that we need to grow the business. However, that, that does also come with some challenges because we also have to consider, you know, how how can we all collaborate together on a virtual forum? How can we make sure that, that those people are still included in, in Visha, even though they're not close to the office? Yeah. So, yeah, that's an ongoing ongoing thing. Got you. And I, I guess on top of that, uh, so it's, it's obviously had a, a big impact on your strategy from a recruitment perspective. Has it been the same across the board of all industries or specifically in, in tech? Have you gone with one strategy and then... I don't know, finance teams, the the business is going with different strategies? Yeah, I think hiring in the tech space. I mean, I seem to remember when I first started in tech recruitment, it was a very much an employer-driven market. So, you know, employers, they had all the say, whereas there's been a real curve over the last few years about how it's now very much a candidate-driven market. So, and there's not enough talent to go around for everybody. Mm -hmm. So for us, it's about, you know, how can we be different to attract people to our business? Mm-hmm. And we are an SME. We're not a, you know, we're not a global organization. We're not a massively recognized organization. And that makes it tougher, I think, because there are quite a few people that haven't ever heard of us. Yeah. So, so how, how can we entice those people to come to Invisha and how can we, you know, how, how can we sort of get them on board with our journey and, story and um yeah help us to grow and i i think that from a from a perspective of sme it's an interesting area because you can look at it as the candidates haven't heard of you but i think there's some massive advantages to being an sme as well because if you're working for like a thirty thousand per person company or a hundred thousand person company making a di- you're making a difference is very very hard something that you do isn't going to change the way that business works forever unless you're a senior manager that's going to take you 20 years to get to that level but i suspect on a day-to-day basis as an engineer i could make huge differences in visa and, and decisions about what's going to happen going forward absolutely yeah i completely agree and i recently wrote a blog about corporates and smes mm-hmm. so i looked at what the differences were between people coming from a corporate environment to join an sme and both types of organizations are very very different so um in a corporate organization you're you know you're you're part of a much bigger picture you you don't really have the you don't really have the opportunity to perhaps make such a big impact in a larger organization whereas in an sme you know you've got huge potential to make a, a real big impact and you're voice will always be heard so you know you can go to the leadership team directly perhaps to to give an idea or share your thoughts or give some feedback um but SMEs also come with their challenges because you know quite often you have to wear a lot of hats you might have to jump into something that's way out of your comfort zone just to support your colleagues yeah Um, 
So, uh, yeah, there's definitely pros and cons between. I agree. Yeah, yeah I agree. Uh, and I know one, uh, one of the things we talked about uh, last week and we'd spoke about a lot was that you guys are huge advocates for both flexible and remote working. So I know that you guys already had some flexibility in, in working in place pre-COVID so that parents could do some of the school runs, for example. Um, but how has this changed since COVID and what are your plans to progress the idea of, I guess, a true employee flexibility going forward? Sure. So um, we we don't operate in a sort of nine to five environment. We, we're true believers in the fact that it's, it's output that matters, not the hours that you work. Yep. So what we really bang the drum about at Invisha is that we, you know, we want to empower people to manage their own time and to make their make their work life and also their personal life fit together. Yep. So, for example, if, you know, if you do have to go and pick the kids up from school or, you know, it's the week before Christmas and you want to attend a nativity play or, you know, you've got to take your dog to the vet or whatever, you can do that. And you don't have to feel like you, you have to ask to do that. Yep. It's up to you to empower yourself and up to you to manage your own time to make sure that you're getting your job done, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, I think as for the future, I think it's going to be really interesting as to how that works moving forward, especially like with people not being in an office. You know, we've seen a, a lot of changes in people's working patterns. So some people are morning people for example so they're quite happy to get up at six o'clock in the morning and start working and then clock off at two three o'clock in the afternoon there are also some people who aren't morning people at all so they like to start work at perhaps 10 o'clock and then maybe take a few hours out in the afternoon to sort the kids out and then jump back on line in the evening and however you do it that's absolutely fine because everybody's different so um so yeah but that's definitely something that we are going to empower moving forward who knows when we'll go back to the office if we ever will go back to the office and and i think the flexibility you guys offer allows for more diversity in in the staff because i know that when i was growing up my mum didn't work from and we were quite lucky that my my dad was the breadwinner but i don't think she worked from when i was born up to when i was about four because of the fact that she wouldn't be able to take my sister to school and those kind of things. So it meant that she just made the decision that she was going to work from home. But after um, after we went to school, she loved working. So I think that if that flexibility had been around 20 years ago, it probably would mean that there's more diversity in the talent pool there now. So I'm hoping that going forward with more companies like Ambisha offering more flexibility, it means that women are more empowered to go, look, I may not be able to uh, to do a nine to five, but I can do a uh, a ten till ten till two, and then I can finish the rest of the work from seven till ten or something like that. I can still do a whole day's work, but I need to do it in my own way. I need to do it around my family. So I think if more companies are more open to that, it could mean that the market opens up, especially in tech that isn't very male orientated. Yeah, yeah, and that's a really interesting point because I have like an HR community who I talk to on quite often and I often hear stories about people say oh um you know my job is very much a nine-to-five job so I've got to be really really careful about where I go to work because I've got to pick the kids up from school so I'm not going to be available between three and four o'clock and then they're going to be at home so I'm not going to be able to work after that and I think it's something that organizations should really 
really, really start to think about because, um, you know, as times are changing, we all have to keep up and we all have to change as well. How do you work at the moment? What's your preference for working hours? <laughs> well, I'm a morning person, so okay. I'm, um, I've got a dog as well. So okay. my dog is always up early. So, yeah, I, I tend to find myself that I'm far more productive in the mornings. Oh, yeah. So I can get quite a lot done, maybe like in the first couple of hours in the morning. But then I can maybe take a couple of hours off for lunch to take the dog out and then hop back on again for a couple of hours in the afternoon and then somebody might have booked a meeting in my diary at say four or five o'clock, something like that. So I'll then take a couple of hours off and then jump back online. And that really suits me just like jumping in and out of work rather than having a a set time that I have to work. Yeah. I really struggle late afternoons when it gets to about (laughs) five, half five, I'm like, I'm done. I've been, I've been working since seven. I'm absolutely done now. So. um, And also it's, you know, as employers, we also have to be very conscious of the fact that not everyone is the same. So some people need to have that structure. They need to be able to, to differentiate their work life and their home life. So there are some people who much prefer to work in a nine to five environment. It's about finding that balance between everybody and how can you accommodate for everyone? Yeah, agreed. And I, th- I think depending on the role, you can alter it a little bit. So I think that there's certain roles like you couldn't have, uh, I don't know, a HR person that only works from seven till nine and then like seven till 11 o'clock at night. So that there's a balance you need to meet. But at the same time, I think there's very few roles now, given how we work remotely and given how as, as every business is now global, really, like there's very few companies that are siloed just to your own country. Even if you don't have offices abroad, you will have somewhat of an interest in what's happening in America, what's happening in Hong Kong, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that it now means that a nine to five for me doesn't truly work because you don't know what's going to come up. So you need the flexibility so that if, I don't know, you've got a DevOps person who is on call and needs to work certain hours, it's not going to work if you go, this is what you're scheduled to do every single day and you, you, you have to do the extra time on top and we're not going to give you any time back for it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we are, you know, we really, really bang the drum about just keeping it flexible. You know, if you need to, if you've done a few extra hours between Monday and Thursday and you want to take a Friday afternoon off, then yeah, go ahead and do it. You know, as long as you're getting your job done, then yeah, you can basically choose the hours you want to work that suit you, that suit your your personal life. Yep. And you guys have got ambitious plans I know you were saying about what you want to do in the next three to five years so I, I guess what are some of the examples of channels you're using to source tech talent in particular and how are you ensuring that you're hiring as diversely as possible? Sure so we use LinkedIn quite a lot LinkedIn's mm-hmm. a really really good tool not only for passive candidates but also employer branding Mm-hmm. So how can we make sure that we're getting the right content out there to, to entice people to come and join us? So we get people to write blogs um, on technologies or experiences or challenges that, they, that they've had at work. We write news about new clients and new projects that we've, that we've taken on board. So LinkedIn is a really, really great tool. Um, we use LinkedIn quite a lot. Um, we also have a referral scheme at Invisha as well, which we talk about quite a lot. Um, and that's worked quite well. You know, we're actively trying to sort of encourage people to to help us 
bring talent into the business and you know what what a great story for you to be able to say to people oh yeah I helped John get a job and research shows actually that people that are referred into businesses are far more successful than people who aren't so yeah so so yeah referral schemes so we're really really hot on that and also from a diversity perspective you know going back to the working hours we're not nine to five people so you know we can hire you know all different types of people we can hire people that have to do the school runs people that have elderly parents that perhaps they have to look after in the mornings or the afternoons or something and also graduate recruitment so looking at how we can entice graduates to come in and help the company to grow and how can we help them to grow as well yeah so that's a really good story to tell the last thing I suppose is probably just networking so you know how can we all network you know we all have people that we perhaps went to university with or we're parts of like tech groups and things like that so how can we share how can we share our experiences in Visha with those people to entice them to come and join us and because we're not sort of tied to our office in Horsham now we can recruit from anywhere yeah so I've been unfortunate with referrals I think I've done it twice luckily before Hacker Job and both times it's been a horror show so yeah it went really badly so <laughs> so I think maybe I need to get back on that horse but I've been fearful for it for about five years because I did it very early in my career regretted it and went cool so uh let's avoid doing that again but no I agree I think referrals is a really interesting one especially when you're looking at tech because you know how someone works and you know when when you're working with a tech team you need everyone to be on the same bandwagon so you can look at someone that you've worked with at a previous company or a company previous to that and go, this is how we work together. He'd be really good for the team or she'd be really good for the team. And also when you're with hiring, it's not just about people's technical skills, but it's also about their softer skills as well. Agreed, yeah, yeah. I mean, they could be like a great, great coder, but if they don't work well in a team or if they don't communicate very well yeah. or they're, um, they're not transparent or they're not honest about what they do so and quite often in our recruitment at Invisha we will hire on on people's softer skills and their cultural fit and their values before their technical abilities because culture is so important to us as we grow which which I think is a lot harder to hire for I think if culture is the first, there's a lot of companies I speak to and they say culture is the number one thing. I'm like, that makes things a lot harder because culture is is very subjective. Like I might be an amazing culture for Invisia, but I may not be a great coach fit for your competitor. And also, um, I guess the problem I have with cultural fit is that does it become, and I'm not suggesting this is how you, you go with the approach, but does it become so that if someone isn't culturally or or doesn't have the same mindset of, as the people already in the business, does that mean that you're not bringing different kinds of people in? So I think that's always what I challenge people when they say culture fit is the most important thing. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. And um, at Invisha, we are we're starting to look at ways of how we can measure people. 
and how we can sort of help people on that journey as well. So those people that maybe aren't aren't so strong with their presentation skills and their collaboration skills, like how can we help them? So how can our line managers perhaps put incentives and objectives in place for them to help them to grow and help them to build their confidence? So it's not a case of just, right, okay, these are our, this is our culture, this is what we expect you to do, go ahead and do it. We are very much about supporting people and how can we help them to, to sort of align with the Invisha culture. <laughs> so we've talked about sourcing. The sourcing is a bit meaningless if you have bad attrition. So I guess let's touch on, on retention. So can you share what your team are, are doing, not only to keep people, but also keep them engaged, especially at this time? Yeah, so we put a lot of initiatives in place during covid so since the end of march so and i'm a big believer in that it's it's all about communication so it 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 all starts with communication every week we have um, an all hands everyone in the company comes together on microsoft teams we have updates from all of the departments so what they're Um, highlights were from last week what their priorities are for the week ahead Um, we also share pictures of things that we got up to at the weekend just to share some inspiration around the group so that works really really well we're also we also ask people for anonymous feedback as well so um you know I, I don't believe that I've got all of the answers so I need feedback from people right what are their suggestions what are their thoughts you know have they got ideas of things that we can do collaboratively during covid now that we're not all in the office and that works really really well like some people have come up with some really really great ideas about playing online games we've done coffee mornings as well where we all get together so what we did was we set up three different coffee houses on microsoft teams so people could could go to the different coffee houses and chat to people maybe that they hadn't spoken to for months on end yeah so that works well and we've also got a we've got a really good management team in place that are really really supportive of their people as well you know we do a lot of check-ins with people to make sure that people are okay um like how are they feeling today like have they got the equipment that they need and i think that's really important because people feelings like change quite often so one day they can be absolutely fine everything's great um and then the next day something really really bad could happen and they could be on a low again so yeah just keeping the communication going as much as we can I, um, I love that that all hands as well we do all, all hands but uh yeah. the anonymous feedback is something that i'm going to take back to the business afterwards that we don't off we do anonymous feedback sessions but we don't do it during all hands and i think that mm-hmm. it's really interesting to do it during all hands because not that you should want that not that you should want to hide away from things but i think that's very easy to do as a business that you take the anonymous feedback, but it never goes to the wider business. So no one knows that that's being communicated internally. And mm-hmm. someone, despite being anonymous, may be too scared to give feedback. So yeah. knowing that something that you're feeling as well is being noticed by the business, I think it's huge. Yeah. And our anonymous feedback goes straight to the CEO. So, nice. you know, he will read it and he replies to people. If we need to put changes in place, then we will do that. But, um, we need people to talk to us. And, you know, we have found that people doing it anonymously, you know, it, it sort of brings people out of their shell a little bit and they, they don't feel scared to come and talk to us. And also from a well-being perspective, you know, we've really um, highlighted mental health during lockdown as well. So 
um, over the next few weeks, we're doing talks on various different types of mental health in our all hands. So we're talking about depression and anxiety and how we can get more sleep and how we can down our screen time, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, all about communication and, you know, just being as collaborative as we can. Uh, and I guess looping back to your original point, you, you said at the start that about thoughts about the future of the industry. So let's make sure we touch on this before we uh, before we end. So what are some of the hopes you have for, I guess, 2021 and 2022? Because we don't know when we don't know where post COVID actually will be at this rate. So what, what's your, your hopes and your futures? So my my hopes the industry is that people try and use this situation to their advantage if they can so talking about you know how at Invisha we've been able to I mean we're probably almost collaborating more now I, I would say on a virtual forum but people are working from home so they're also able to balance their working lives and their personal lives mm-hmm. so that seems to be working really really well and one of the things that I would hope is that more and more businesses, as time goes by, come away from this, you know, nine to five approach because it doesn't work for everybody. Some people need that flexibility. They want that flexibility. And as we touched upon before, it's really going to restrict people on where they can work and how can they balance their personal commitments to their work commitments and I think if employers maybe thought outside of the box a little bit and gave people the freedom and the trust then I think people would probably work a lot better yeah yeah I've um I've got a a friend and I won't name where he works for obvious reasons but he was telling me that he only works in in a sales team so really he could do his work remotely and he was saying that during COVID once the lockdown officially stopped in the southwest his boss said you need to come back to, into the office every day a week and his girlfriend's heavily pregnant so he refused to do it and it led to a huge internal argument about whether you could do it or not but so that, that I, I think even post-covid people should have a bit more flexibility but i find it maddening right now that companies are thinking about okay we we have never worked this way so we're not going to change the way we've worked i think most companies have seen that in reality, their fears have been diminished significantly. Yeah, yeah. And for me as well, you know, to be able to work home, to start in the morning when I am far more productive than I am at three o'clock in the afternoon, you know, I've got my dog here, you know, I've got the kitchen right there, I've got the oven there, so I can, you know, make myself something nice for lunch. I can do some, like, perhaps household chores in the middle of the day while I'm having a break from my screen, that kind of thing. Like, to me, my life feels so much better and so I feel like I've got so much more freedom with my time mm-hmm. now and I really hope that that stays and I think at Invisha it will stay yeah I, I'm, I'm interested about I, I think at hag job it will stay to be honest I probably was one of the biggest haters of work from home before this happened because I like structure because of the fact that I'm I'm basically I'm borderline autistic so like, I like structure so I found it bizarre that I need to work from home. But I think now it's meant that I can design some structure at home as well. So for the first four months, I worked on a sofa and I found working from home really, really tough. And because I, I was I was determined that we were going to get back into the office. But as soon as I've got myself a desk and I've got a setup and stuff like that, 
suddenly I realised that actually I would love to work from home two, three days a week and then go into the office when I need collaborative conversations. Mm-hmm. So whether you're whether you're close to your work or not, I think that working from home really can work. Absolutely. And one of the other things that we did about a month or so ago was we we decided to just close the office for six months because there was a lot of confusion about, oh, am I allowed to go in? I, I prefer to work in the office, but I like working at home. Like So we just said, right, okay, you know, look, the office is closed. And that's actually worked quite well, I think, because people have thought, right, okay, I'm here for six months. I need to go out and get myself a desk. I'm going to get a plant to go on my desk. I'm going to go and get myself a new chair. And um, people have been sharing pictures of their new desks and monitor stands that they've bought and stuff. So, um, yeah. But again, it's just going back to that communication. So just communicating and giving people lots of clarity and what's coming up so there's no surprises. Exactly. Um, so we've got to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for, for appearing. It's been really, really insightful. I guess for the, for the listeners that want to reach out afterwards, what's the best way to reach out to you? So you can find me on LinkedIn. You can also visit our careers page. So that's um, careers at invisha.com. Yeah, so drop me a message. I'm more than happy to have a chat. So, and then if anyone wants to reach out to the team at Hacker Job, if you reach out to hello at hackerjobs.com. Thanks again for your time. Thank you, Darren.